Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And I'm Kathy. And it's your podcast for November 14th, 2021, the 25th Sunday after Pentecost in the year B. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, Kathy, how's it going? Good. It's going well. Excellent. It's been a little while since we've had you both on the podcast. So thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. This is a real treat. Yeah, this is our new branding, you know, the <laughs> Kathy and Bruce show. Ooh, well then, uh, the, the take over the internet waves. Good branding uh, usually require it, it means like there's like a good uh, uh, catchy name uh, like for for this power couple that you are. So what's oh, yeah. what's the what's the name? Quick, five seconds. Cruise. <laughs> no. <laughs> Kathy and Bruce, power couple name is Cruz. Done. Uh, no. I heard no other options. Bathy? How about it's just us? It's just us. Oh, I that's, that's sweet. sweet. I like With that. Ben. You undoubtedly made it worse. Just, <laughs> just right there. <laughs> Well, very good. Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, what we got going on uh, at the church right now, uh, which is you know um, not much. There's not much going on, right? We're we're uh, finishing up. Goodness, do we have we have one more week in the season after Pentecost? Uh, so not much is going on, right? <laughs> yeah, we're. Um... Well, yeah, actually, of course, the exact opposite. Lots and lots of stuff happening. And we have coming up um, the, uh, shoot, I can't remember what they call the craft sale. It's called the uh, Fall Bazaar. Fall Bazaar, that's it, that's it. Uh, We have the Fall Bazaar coming up. We have the food drive for um, families that need help providing thanksgiving dinner to their households um we have the giving tree which is supporting um fisher's elementary school and some of their households at christmas time mm-hmm. we have saint nicholas saint nicholas day uh celebrating i believe it's december 4th um where we'll have pancakes and uh, visit from St. Nicholas and activities for children and uh, model trains set up. And we you know, haven't been able to do that in, under COVID, uh, but this year it will be in person. Lots of people wear masks when they're not eating, but it will be in the parish hall. So it's a big space, lots of air circulation. Should be great. That's, uh, that's a lot. So, yeah. so a lot is going on. Uh, yes. Wow. That's uh, that sounds, that sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. Uh, so yeah, the, the, we, we continue to have uh, uh, services eight and ten. We're still doing. Are we still doing the uh, adult uh, formation topic? Yeah. Of, uh, uh, you want to you want to plug that again? Happy to the um, Episcopal saints who resisted racism and um, oppression of folks. And this coming week, we are going to be talking about one of my favorites, the most meaningful. To me, Oscar Romero from El Salvador. Ooh. Well, I, I, I can't ask you to 
give anything away, but like I want to, I want to know. So how dare you tease this and <laughs> give me, give me nothing thereafter. That's uh, that's nice. well, it uh, the tease will be his personal. One of the inspiring things is his personal journey out of poverty into uh, essentially being a chaplain for rich people to returning to his roots after he's made archbishop uh, and advocating deeply for the poor and oppressed of El Salvador, which led to his assassination by a death squad. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. And there's a lot more than that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a... Uh... That's quite a story right there. Uh, um... And can can I add... <clears throat> Sorry, I can't add anything. Can I add that um, we've been there to, yeah. um, to El Salvador, to his church, to his little... Oh, really? Um, to his little room where he slept at the, at the um, church where he was preaching at the time he was killed. And, you know, I don't know how, the, how exciting this is, but we've seen his blood. Uh, yeah. uh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> in, in a very Roman Catholic fashion, um, part of the memorial to him there is the vestments he was wearing. He was he was actually celebrating the Eucharist when he was shot, and oh so gosh. his blood-soaked vestments are on display to inspire people. I'm not sure I, I know how I feel about that. Uh... It, it, it's, yeah, it's not something that, you know, good, polite Episcopalians would tend to go for, so to speak. But yeah. um, well, it was one of those, to me, it was one of those reminders of how recent this was. It was, um, you know, that these things are still existing. They haven't deteriorated over time. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm a bad and unpolite Episcopalian, but I was actually very moved by that and you know, that really face-to-face -face reminder that this was a real human mm. being yeah, you know, I don't, who I, stood up and walked and talked and yeah, ate yeah, dinner and everything that we all do. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I don't, I certainly don't begrudge you uh, feelings on that for sure. It's just it's one of those, uh, mm -hmm. that's uncomfortable. And I think yeah. that, oh, that's, kind of, yeah. I think yes. that's kind of very uncomfortable. That's exactly the point, especially because when we were there, um, while he was extreme, extremely, extremely inspirational to the um, most of the population, the upper classes were trying to tromp down and, and forget about him, tromp down on his memory and forget about him. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the Episcopal Church, I believe made him a saint before the Roman Catholic Church did because of really? the political pressure. Hmm. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I agree. Uh, whichever dog there in the background. Barky the Beagle. Yeah. Yes. Defending the front walk from someone walking a dog, probably. <laughs> you know what? It's God's work. Someone's got to do it. Mm -hmm. Someone's got to do it. Well, um, and it works. They keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, then uh, I think uh, I uh, will move on to our person of the day. 
and mm-hmm. see if either of you recognize the name of Charles Gore. G-O-R-E? G-O-R-E. Time period? Uh, 1853 to 1932. Oh. Al Gore's great-grandfather? I mean, it doesn't say that it's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go with that then. <laughs> Done and dusted. Uh, yeah, Al Gore's great-grandfather is. Um, uh, Charles Gore was a theologian and bishop, a prolific writer, uh, producing uh, during his life, a lot of works during his uh, lifetime, and major studies in theology, which had an influence far beyond the Church of England, uh, uh, Bishop of Worcester, Birmingham, and Oxford. So uh, uh, he either... Uh, he, he was, he was, he got around there. Um, uh, but, um, uh, his first, he first came to public attention when he edited, which uh, was kind of a surprise uh, to me, the Lux Mundi, uh, series of studies in the religion of the incarnation in 1889. I assume you've read it. Yes. You know, I think I actually have read an excerpt from it when I was in seminary. Hey, see, there you go. Um, but uh, he, uh, there's, there's so much stuff in here. But I'm just gonna say, like, uh, he, uh, one of, one of uh, his main contribution to theology was derived from the Tractarian movement of the Church of England. Yeah, that's uh, the um, High Church movement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was gonna be, uh, that was certainly gonna be a question. Um, but uh, the central theme of his expensive theological writing was the incarnation. Which he believed produced a meaning, a means for putting the Catholic faith, quote unquote, in a right relation to modern intellectual and moral problems. Uh, um, yep. Chief, chief among those being the Darwinian theory of evolution and the critical and historical analysis of Holy Scripture. Um, so uh, uh, I, I I don't know about you, but like uh, this this in my mind uh, puts him on track to be like the. Uh, uh, um, kind of like the religious bad boy here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but are you thinking that? I mean, because he was okay with evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. At, at, at this period of time, I would, I would assume that this is that's like a that, that would have been that would have stood out. I think it it would have stood out, but it was much bigger it was a much bigger issue in the united states than it was in the church of england i gotcha okay and um so and so that's why it's significant that he had influence well beyond england because it did affect how it, it gave people someone to footnote when they were christian and wanted to support evolution got it okay okay um like I said, there's a whole bunch more. I'm not going to go into um, uh, uh, all of it because he wrote just uh, a ton, a ton. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, and they do go into a little bit here, a little bit there. He edited uh, something called a new commentary uh, on Holy Scripture. Well, and in some ways, that's for Episcopalians. In some ways, that's more significant because. Again, in the Episcopal Church, there wasn't a huge outcry against evolution, mm-hmm. but 
there was a deeper suspicion of interpreting scripture in, di in different ways. Gotcha. So, so his explanation of why we needed to upgrade our interpretation uh, was extremely helpful to the development of the Episcopal Church's self-understanding of how it treats scripture that mm. we still enjoy today. Yeah, it does. think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it does, it does say here that his, uh, his incarnational theology was uh, very influential in the United States. So this was, mm -hmm. this was uh, certainly Church of England, uh, but uh, uh, coming uh, the, the, the ideas, the thoughts that he put out there, the, the writings he made uh, uh, very influential uh, across the pond. Well, and, and one reason it's so important is the incarnational work is that we're beginning to come out of the Victorian era. Mm -hmm. And during that era, both in the U.S. and in Britain, there was a great deal of discomfort in polite circles about anything having to do with the human body, mm. or even a, you know, even a chicken, you know, people had to rename chicken parts and beef parts and things like that. So they didn't sound like human appendages, um, <laughs> might stimulate someone. I, I um, do. I do love how ridiculous we are. Uh, yeah. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> and so the incarn the, his reintroduction of incarnational theology, which is bait, you know, which has as its core that Jesus Christ was incarnate, fully human. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the human body was honored by God, was a g excellent and very needed correction to the Victorian cultural push to get away from anything that, that had to do with the human body and, and human everyday existence. Mm -hmm. was, I mean, it, my favorite example of that is there was among some Protestants, not so much Episcopalians, there was a huge discomfort with baptism by water mm. because that reminded someone of bathing and that might remind someone of being naked. And so the Presbyterians actually had a very strong tradition develop mm -hmm. of baptizing babies with rose petals. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing uh, too that you know that problem clearly was a uh, hundred percent solved, and and uh, we don't have have issues like that anymore, right? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how ridiculous! Um, so, uh, <laughs> but it used to be a lot worse. Uh, yeah, but you know. And, that's not the that's, that's not the uh, make make you feel better statement that uh, you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, and I, I won't go down this rabbit hole too far, but uh, um, quite a few anthro anthropologists and sociologists are writing that we are in a new Victorian age. Hmm. That you know some of it is. Um, reacting to the wildness of the 60s and 70s. But you know, I recently read an article about what you could get away with, quote-unquote, on broadcast television in the late 70s and in the 80s, 
mm-hmm. which is totally, totally mm. impossible now. Mm. And most of it has to do with sexual content. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Still, anyway. Still our hang-up. Another still. good... An, uh, another good topic for coffee hour if, if anyone wants to go deeper into that I'm no Victorian I'm one to talk about during coffee hour how dare you sully the, the good name of besmirch the good name of coffee good <laughs> or gluten free snacks associated with such riffraff <laughs> oh goodness um I just realized uh, before we uh, started talking uh, today um, that uh, we had options uh, for a reading. So we're going to oh. do this live on the broadcast. Uh, we have options for the reading. Uh, and the, the one we're going with, First uh, Samuel, instead of Psalm, has another First Samuel uh, uh, reading. So instead of a Psalm, it would be a First Samuel. Do we want to do both? Yes, we do. <laughs> I, um, I thought Kathy might. Uh, yeah. Might well. Do you and do you want to yeah. do them in one sitting? Um. Or do you want to break between the two? Well, I think we need to treat them a little bit separately. Although okay. they're really very continuous to mm-hmm. each other, it's not like they're foreign elements or something. Right. Um, which is precisely a good reason for doing it, and you know this the second. The second reading from First Samuel mm-hmm. is actually very psalm-like in that it's poetic and hmm. kind of a a raising up from dusty places kind of thing, just I like you would you. get in the psalms. And um, so, you know, it happens. You know what is going to happen next year too, because all the um, <laughs> I did all my preparation on next year's readings for this <laughs> Sunday. And um, the same thing happens, but it's Isaiah instead of Samuel. And, ah. um, you know, it, it, you're always welcome to replace the psalm, actually, with a, something called a canticle, which means, you know, something that's sung, a song. And mm-hmm. that's what psalms are as well. And um, they can, you know, it doesn't have to be labeled as a psalm to fulfill the same purpose. And so that's what's being done here. And it happens now and then. Very cool. Well, then let's move on to our uh, first reading of the day, and then we will take a break, and we will include our Samuel song uh, 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 as well. Um, our first reading uh, comes from the book of First Samuel, uh, chapter 1, verse 4 through 20. Oh, uh, uh, I did not prepare. Uh, <laughs> Elkanah? Am I going to say that one right? Elkanah? There we go. Okay, so Elkanah. on... Okana. Okay, I would have said it wrong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the day when Elkana sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife, Penaya. Panini? What? <laughs> Panini, yes. Panina. Panina? Okay, so on the day when this dude sacrificed, he'd give portions to his wife and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah, he gave double portion. Because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely, to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. When her husband, Elkanah, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? 
Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself and put away your wine? But Hannah answered, uh, No, my lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have neither drunk wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out my, of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was, no, was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house in Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. A um, couple of things. One, uh, did no one pray silently in this period of time? Like, was that not a thing? Like, th there are several times in the Bible where, like, people's first thought is like, they must be drunk. And it's like, in situations where it's like, why would that be? Why would you, why would that be your go-to thought process of like, oh, clearly, drunkenness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that, am, am I off base here? It seems, seems odd. It, no, you're, you're right on base. It does seem odd. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, I'm not going to speak to the big general policy, but I find it actually quite, quite annoying that this priest of the temple comes out and sees a woman clearly distressed and accuses her of being drunk rather than his first thought being she needs help. Um, yeah, right. You know, I mean, no Victorians here, I suppose. <laughs> but, but, you know, it just... It's such a horrid judgment, and it, it it has always bothered me. And I just want to say, look, dude, she's on her knees. She's by herself. She's crying all this time, probably. Um, I could go all fem I could I could go all feminist on you here, I suppose, but I'm not going to do that. Um, or maybe I, I, I already did. I, I but, mean, I mean, I think it's warranted. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, it's. But on the other hand, he does, you know, jump up and go, oh, well then, uh, uh, go in peace. So I guess in the end, in the end, she kind of got him, but um, not that that was her intent. Right. But um, yeah, I, I think sometimes it's a, it's a writing technique. 
I do. Mm. I write. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to put in a line just to provoke what comes next. Um, that makes sense. We, we need to know that Hannah is very firm and sure of herself here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she may be in great distress and vexation, but she is also very much in control of what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And to have her be so clearly misjudged is a perfect way of saying, no, I'm not. Here's what I'm doing. And right. you know, it's a very effective technique. And one of the themes within Samuel is... Eli and his fellow priests, his house, his household, so to speak, are really lousy priests. Ah, okay. The, uh, that explains it then. <laughs> and so it also puts Eli in a bad light. And the um, editors, authors, whatever, however you want to say it, did everything they could to make to discredit Eli throughout the writings. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, it also. It, does us well to go ahead and point out um, the clueless, uh, very obvious answer to question uh, that Elkanah asks. Am I not more to you than ten sons? No, dude. No, you're not. <laughs> right? Never, yeah. never were, never would be. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I just have to say adult men do not come out well in this text. Mm, right. Um, no, no, they don't. Her, her little boy, on the other hand, is just a doll, and you just want to pick him up and adore him and yeah. everything else. Um, um, and even, yeah. even but you know what? Pretty much all the characters in this story, uh, even uh, Panini or whatever her name is. Panaya. Uh, what, <laughs> what, what, a, what a jerk uh, uh, provoking her severely. I, I'm assuming that's one and the same. They, they then switched to calling her her rival, right? Not, uh, yeah. yeah. But it's still yeah. one and the same person. Right? And, and it was a big deal at that time. You know, a woman who was apparently unable to bear children mm-hmm. was sort of um, seen as less than useful to her husband because that was yeah. her job, you know, among washing his underwear and cooking his pigs or something. I don't know. Not pigs. Oh, not pigs. No. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say. Cooking his, cooking his Fam- goats. Famously um, not pigs. <laughs> yes. I don't know why I even said that. They don't eat pigs. But um, I don't either. But... You know, the whole thing of, you know, I have children and I don't. That makes me the better wife and Mm -hmm. ha-ha on you. Um, And, you know, Elkanah, at least you got to give him credit for, you know, understanding that she's sad, I guess. Yeah, he got some of it. (laughs) But, but, you know, just, or maybe he didn't care about having more sons. Maybe, and this is a top of the head you know, reevaluation. You know, Panaya, Panina, Panina. Okay. Yeah, now I can't say it either. I like it my um, way better, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she had all these children, which means that Elkanah had a whole lot of children, and maybe mm-hmm. he truly cherished Hannah just for being herself. He it wasn't. Certainly implies he that. wasn't terribly understanding of the whole situation, but but he did seem to adore her. As Hannah, and not as someone who needed to be a, you know, you know, that's a very fair stock. point. That's a very fair point. That and that's possible. That's entirely possible. Yeah, he gave Hannah a double portion. And yeah, yeah. Over over all the other, the rest of the household. Yeah. 
Well, um, uh, and, and just for clarity's sake, uh, verse 11 here, it says, uh, I, I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. What's a Nazarite? Part of the pre, I believe it's part of the priestly class, isn't it? Someone who's almost a monk. Yeah, a Nazarite. Um, trying to think of the other grand example of a Nazarite, but they don't cut their hair, they don't drink wine, they mm -hmm. are very pure and very devoted. And um, oh gosh, who was that? I know there are other stories about men who didn't cut their hair, and then when they cut their hair, they lost right. their strength. Samson. Samson. Samson, Samson mm -hmm. was a Nazarite, mm -hmm. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, it was, yeah, it was, I think a monk is a good way to describe it. Someone who's fully dedicated to serving God, um, mm -hmm. apparently even more than Eli's priesthood. That, <laughs> right. That's what that, we're supposed to notice. That's yeah. what we're supposed to notice. Um, so, yeah, Samuel, or this child who she will name Samuel, will be more of a servant of God than the priest who's mocked her here. So. Yeah. So uh, his replacement is born. Um, yeah. Does this sound familiar? Right, right. And, you know, you read the, the last little bit here. Um, well, not quite the last bit, but in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. That sounds so Mary-like, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, wait till we get to the next part that you're going to read in just a second here, um, because it goes on. This is very much a, a parallel story to something else we're all familiar with. Yeah. So with that, are you ready to move on, Kathy? Well, I am. Well, then let's... But maybe Ben's not. <clears throat> no, no, no. That's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, yes, okay. please. Let's, uh, let's move on. We'll move on to our uh, Samuel Psalm of the day. First uh, Samuel chapter 2. We can call it Psalmuel. Psalmuel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a good one by... See if anyone notices. Psalmuel. <laughs> a very good one by Cruz over there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, and that reads this way. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord. No one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and, and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low. He ex also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the Lord are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might does for not by might does one prevail. The Lord, his adversaries, shall be shattered, the most high will thunder in heaven. 
The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Now, I'm not going to lie. Having read that immediately after our discussion of the first reading, in my head, all of this is her biting her thumb at uh <laughs> <laughs> Well, and she like, deserves to. Yeah, yeah, like in my in my head, it's, this is like it's neener, neener. There is some of that. I think is I think it becomes more generalized. But yeah, you know, just, um, you sit down, and look at my baby. You know, That's right. I, uh, um, now, did she bear seven? Uh, the, the Baron has born seven, or is that figurative? Or you, I think you know? that that's figurative. Okay, seven being that... a really important number. In, right, it's like it's one of the like numbers a, of perfection. Yes, yeah, one of those numbers of perfection, like gotcha. Seven days in the week. Um, so, so Samuel's perfect creation. is what she's basically yeah. saying. Like she is saying, did, you so may she's... have a whole flock, but look at this. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is perfection. So, 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 so yeah. or, or put another way, um, you know, like, uh, uh, you may have all these kids, but they're ugly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mine is, are, is really cute. Yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe. Um, okay. but, um, there's, oh, I was hoping maybe Bruce was looking up something here, but he's not. Um, <laughs> but, well, he's looking, you know what? Not what you're thinking he's of. looking you know up what? something I, else. I hope that a um, lot too. And, you know. <laughs> he's looking up something else, which is fine and dandy, but I just want to say, um, you know, since we ended up here with conceived in Boris's son, and now we have this prayer, which really is a psalm of praise yeah my heart exalts doesn't that sound just like a psalm yeah Um, absolutely and it also sounds just like um the whole the whole thing in its structure is so similar to the magnificat which you know we kind of all know the song of mary the song of mary out of the Mm -hmm. book of luke you know that she she sings and of course i said we all know that and now i don't know what it says but um (laughs) Yeah, we all. We My all soul magnifies the well. Lord. Don't you know, he has raised up his servant and put down the mighty. And um, mm-hmm. and she's speaking, of course, as the mother of Jesus. Hannah here is speaking as the mother of Samuel. But the fact that, again, it's a literary thing that, mm-hmm. you know, whoever wrote the book of Luke, let's call him Luke, um, <laughs> you know, was Less. clearly was clearly familiar with this speech from Hannah. Um, and that happens a lot in scripture. You know, you see things that reflect back on something much older and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, this was whoever wrote the book of Luke, his, his original faith was grounded in this stuff in the book of Samuel and the Psalms and everything else that Mm -hmm. comes before the gospel, um, that he might have had access to at least we, so we know he was, intelligent you know and yeah kind of picked up on this and said ah oh, this could easily go over here with jesus you know and yeah and it's it's lovely it's a it's a beautiful thing the whole you know the reading in both instances but just the you know it's the idea of god as as someone who restores things puts stuff back in mm-hmm. place that's been broken um, Hannah is fixed. She's no longer 
that didn't sound right. If she was a dog, that would be bad. But um, anyway, <laughs> Hannah has been repaired and restored to her wholeness. Yeah. She's born a child, which is what she wanted, and what you know was considered a standard of normal for people in those days. But you know, she sits here and she attributes the whole thing to God. The bows of the mighty are broken. Yeah. Um, brings brings people down to Sheol and raises them back up again. Um, that will be referenced, you know, at the time Jesus dies and mm -hmm. you know, spends his little time in hell and comes back up alive. Um, make, you know, it's just it's just also beautiful and there's such trust and hope in it that, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, an amazing thing. Yeah. It is a great, uh, um, it's a great prayer. It's a great song uh, uh, to, to God. I mean, it, the, like I said, it, had we not read that first uh, paragraph uh, uh, or first uh, reading, um, my mind would have been in a completely uh, uh, different space. So I can't quite uh, put myself where I wasn't. But uh, um, it, it, like this, this would be this would be really encouraging words for for you know name a point in time in your life i mean who, who who wouldn't want to you know to feel this way at, at some point in time right yeah i mean it's it's a big enough it's protected a, i mean it's it's yeah, yeah there's great things a, going on here. it's a big enough thing to have had this child mm -hmm. but to understand this as really being a gift from god and you know we throw that phrase around i think way too lightly sometimes but mm -hmm. Hannah clearly had that sense of without God's direct love for me, for mm -hmm. Elkanah, for, for the people of God, you know, this wouldn't have happened. And here's what's going to come as a result. So he's, yeah. she's putting a little pressure on her little baby there. But um, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> he'll live up to it. Yeah, a little bit. But he's adorable. He's a seven. He's, he's a perfect seven. Yes. He's a perfect seven. So, Better than a ten. Right, he'll be great. Um, anything else about about this passage? We don't we don't very often get uh, into the psalm reading, so this is this is uh, this is wonderful. This is a lot of fun. Just one thing I'd add is that um, in verse ten, the Most High uh, will thunder in heaven. The in Hebrew, it's very similar to the the name Eli, mm. and in and it, in Hebrew it is basically a direct slap in the face of Eli. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, where are you? Verse ten. Oh. Okay. Um, that it's you know, oh, it, I'm... this this very poor excuse for a holy person who. Lords it over everyone around him. No, the true Lord will be the one who has power and is the one who has power. Gotcha. So even in the song of Hannah, Eli is put down. And then the next verse is um, when they give him to live with Eli. Oh, yeah, that's right. That That, that is how the story goes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's. I can't, I can't even comprehend what that would be like to, you know, have such a deep longing for a child and then to have one and then basically 
to give it to a lousy priest. <laughs> right, the one who thought you were drunk. Yeah. yeah. Although, speaking as a lousy <laughs> priest, if someone handed me a baby, I'd take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that is that is a that is an open altar call, uh, like one I have never heard before. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, hey, uh, listeners, uh, Kathy, what's your kids? <laughs> Okay, that makes me sound like a really <laughs> dangerous priest. Going back to the scripture, the last <laughs> thing I want to add is that, okay, verse 10 is where the song the, the song of Hannah ends. Uh-huh. Verse 12 begins, Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord or for the duties <laughs> of the priest. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember this now. So there's, yeah, so there's this huge contrast between Hannah's words of beauty and obedience to God and God's provision, then you're almost shocked to hear these very blunt words about Eli and his leadership and even what he allows his sons to get away with. And he's Mm. given this wonderful holy child to care for and... Yeah, that does not end well for Eli. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, and and you know, we have to remember that even though Hannah gave over her child to the temple as she promised God in the beginning, hmm. she did keep an eye on him. Yes, you know, she, she was frequently in the she temple. She went to visit frequently and made sure he was well dressed and fed and everything else. So. What and and very very typical mother form, well dressed. I like it. Um, <laughs> by which I don't mean you know all the most expensive clothing. She sewed his little clothes for him. I've always thought that was one of the most adorable passages That's in all of scripture. That she she sewed these little clothes, and you know I used to make all all my kids' clothes as well, and so I always had a little kind of heart for that oh, neat. i could make i could make a giant detour here now they realizing like mom came to visit him at his place of work uh, <laughs> all the time and making sure that he's dressed well oh, stop <laughs> he was, everyone's just, wearing jeans to work <laughs> it's just but, priest clothes it's all the same but it, <laughs> but it wasn't his place of work it was his place of education and preparation oh, that's true. That's true. for his work so so she had to be involved because a mom is a really good teacher most of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was. Well, <laughs> you, I, I have I, I have absolutely no doubt of that. Uh, uh, that is uh, that I think is clear. Um, well, let's move on to our second reading of the day, uh, which is this one comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter ten, verse eleven through fourteen, uh, and. Uh, Actually, it's just 11 through 25. I have a feeling we'll probably do the whole thing, right? So um, that reads, And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can uh, never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for a single time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since there's, since then has been one waiting... Man, I cannot read today. And since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us, for after saying, 
This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through the, his flesh, and since he, we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful, and let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This reads as though it's the end of the letter. Is this the end of the letter? No. No? Okay. No, no, no. It's really long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it goes for uh, four more chapters, basically. Okay, okay. Not the end of the letter. Uh, uh, then, uh, um, it, go ahead. But again, Hebrews it has an uncertain origin and, and therefore structure so it could have mm -hmm. been the end of a letter oh, and gather okay. together with i like how you're attempting to make me right i appreciate that <laughs> well no but you caught on to something accurate this sounds like a conclusion yeah it, and, well, it does yeah and it is concluding the section on christ uh, as my bible entitles it christ's offering for all mm -hmm. um then the author or editor will move on to the meaning of faith and other topics. So, you know, you're not far off at all. Okay. I, I, I like the sound of this. <laughs> <laughs> not far off. I'll take it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Some days that's as good as I can hope. Um, the, the, the other thing that I noticed though, um, well, the other reason I guess why I thought it kind of seemed like it was, uh, the end of the letter, um, there's like the, if it is the end of a letter, um, what an incredible, like, like kind of like a dig here in the last, uh, uh, sentence, uh, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of, song, yeah. <laughs> but encouraging one another, like talking to you, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> ben. Mm -hmm. You needn't worry. You are such a regular church attender. You would never be addressed that way. <laughs> I meet together, but I'm always in the back. <laughs> hey, very, you're in the building. Very unsocial, un unsociable over there in the back. Uh, you're in the building. That counts for a lot. <laughs> That's true. That is true. That is true. And we know you're listening. That is that. Yes, we're, I, we're all referring is. to him running the sound and video board. Just to be clear to anyone who. Hasn't has not been in the building. Yeah. Always if you, if you have watched church in the last eighteen months somewhere online, write Ben a thank you note. I was I, uh, as, who, whoever watches church, I am there. Uh, <laughs> whoever listens to this podcast, hear my voice. Um 
<laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, um, th- this so this is if correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I believe like this is this has been the point that's been getting driven home a lot uh, in um, the book of Hebrews. Is, yeah. Has this not been kind of in a way the the, the point the whole time? Uh, it seems like it's kind of been, you know, the the the, the point that's been getting made for for weeks now. Uh, yeah, in terms of lectionary, yeah, yeah okay, and a lot of reasons for that. One is that it's an excellent teaching tool. You, you know, it's mm-hmm. now been driven into your forehead, like it or not. And right, some of it is when you're an editor, and again, we don't know anything about the authorship of this letter or its audience except there's a belief that it it was to a audience somewhere in italy right um but anyway that if you're gathering together materials like oh, you know, i'll put everything with sacrifice in it together and hmm. we've been going through pretty much in order so yeah we've been reading through the sacrifice section over and over and over mm-hmm okay. Um, so since it is, it kind of has been the point, which don't, again, uh, uh, certainly not, uh, uh, intending to criticize that teaching style. Uh, Lord knows, uh, my, uh, teachers, uh, knew that, that this was required, uh, <laughs> in order to teach me anything, uh, <laughs> to say it time and time again. Um, but, uh, um, is there, is there anything, is there anything different or new about, um, uh, this one, this, this, this reference is that. Hmm. Well, I'm just going to say this. Please well, do. I'll say two things actually, but, um, the very beginning, every priest stands day after day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's not really what we do anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it does sound like well, Eli, what a boring it? job. You just, yeah, it is an Eli type day of day. phrase. Um, yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, the priesthood was always intended to be much bigger than just standing at the altar, showing off your robes with their pomegranates and bells on the bottom. And, um, and, and so it's kind of, yeah, it does feel kind of like this little slap of all you people who were there doing your priesty thing. Mm-hmm. Christ did it better. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is a really big deal. And, after he brings that in, you know, that, that this Christ figure has done this amazing and marvelous thing and it will never need to be done again in the same way, um, it becomes, again, a very restorative kind of passage, just like mm-hmm. Hannah, the people who did the lectionary did a good job matching this stuff up this time. Um, you know, I, I find myself saying that a lot. Um, sometimes yeah. they do and sometimes they throw in a really weird <laughs> wild card thing I, I find myself saying the of the head and, yeah, I find myself saying that the other half of the time <laughs> <laughs> yes okay well this time they did a great job and and there's this real sense of the thing that Jesus did mm-hmm. really really changed things Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's right there. I mean, this is, this is pretty old stuff. It, it was 
I can't remember when it was written. Fairly late, I think. Late, um, yeah, not early. Late. late. It was written late, so mm-hmm. quite a while after the resurrection. Yeah. Um, but even then, people were recognizing it as you know a real turning point in history. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. And and remember, part of the context because it's late is. The temple in Jerusalem, it's almost certainly after the temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed. So mm-hmm. all the priestly ministries in the past tense that is referred to, mm-hmm. it, it, can, it literally can no longer happen because the only place sacrifice could be made was in the temple, which is now destroyed, and in Roman, in the that vacant lot in control of the Romans. Mm-hmm. And so it again, like I think I said last week or week before, maybe also a tap on the shoulder to the people in Italy seeing the sacrifices in the Roman temples continuing to be made day after day. Ah, but yes. in order to avoid trouble with the civil authorities, it can be referred back to people that literally no longer exist. Mm-hmm. And so it's safe to criticize. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. You know, it's it's interesting to me how much of scripture from beginning to end is addressed to people who are both broken and guilty of breaking things and mm. waiting for something good to be restored. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's just a constant theme. I feel like you described all of us. <laughs> yeah, that's that we're, we're all broken and we all break things. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We're all waiting for restoration. And we're all waiting mm-hmm. to be restored. And um, yeah. boy, I could go on there. Shut me up now. Yeah, no, for the yeah, sermon. Yeah. yeah. For the sermon. <laughs> it's going to be a long sermon. <laughs> Sorry, no, it won't be. Good. We don't, we don't get those often enough anymore. Yeah. What, long ones? You know, you want to long sermons. Yeah. They're... they're they're uh we're, we're spoiled by shorter sermons uh I, I i one of these days i, re- I recommend that we do a good a good old-fashioned 30-minute sermon see what see what kind of comments you get at the end of it uh <laughs> let, let's wait till the stewardship drives over we'll get, we'll get no comments because everyone will be asleep <laughs> well let's move on anyway. to our gospel reading uh for the day gospel All right uh, the gospel we come back to Mark last week. I think uh, we were in John, right? Uh, right. For, for, so we're back to the gospel of Mark. This time, chapter thirteen, verse one through eight. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, "Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings!" Then Jesus asked him, "Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down." When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. Um, I just want to point out real quick that the disciples sound like uh, 1950s, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
eight-year-old Jimmy or whatever, like, jeepers, mister. Look at them big stones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right, little Timmy. <laughs> you wonder how often they'd seen these. You know, Maybe they never came into town. It's that possible, yeah. Well, they were poor, they were, poor people. So they, they were, you know, fishermen and such things. And, maybe in their first time in um, the big city. Yeah. Maybe. Sounds like the start of a good Muppet movie. Um, <laughs> but, oh, dear. I think Monty right. Python already tilled this soil. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, but uh, the... One, You're still thinking wanna, of the Muppets, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm still thinking of the Muppets. Um, uh, yeah, I can, I can see uh, 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 Kermit bouncing along as he walks down the road. Uh, the, the, the verse five says Jesus began to say to them. Uh, does it make no sense that that it it reads that way because we don't see the rest of the writing? Does he continue on after this? Is that the reason why it says no, he no. began? Or? It's a matter of Bruce is looking on his fancy chart here, but I suspect it's a matter <laughs> of how the verb tenses work in in mm. Greek. You know, English works one way, and we all well, most We're not at all, but yeah. understand mm-hmm. it, and we understand how how structure the grammatical structure works. But mm-hmm. different languages have different ways of doing it, and um, I'm not going to remember the details right now. But there's a certain verb tense that um, implies here's where he started, and then he kept on. Okay. So yeah, okay. kind of what you said. Yeah. Okay. Um. Then uh, what do I want to say? what do I want to ask? This is this is a verse that uh, the, the tail end of this reading is uh, something that has often been used to uh, be a little bit more like the book of uh, of uh, Revelation. Uh, that this is like a sign of this will be the sign of end times. Uh, uh, and I, I, it seems as though he's saying expressly the opposite, that it's like, that, that it's, you got to stop worrying about that or looking, right. looking for signs. Yeah. You got to stop expecting things to make sense like that. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, if you can, and I don't expect you to have a timeline in front of you, but can you tell me a point in history where the entire world was living without wars? or rumblings of wars or you know nations being angry at other nations or earthquakes Mm -hmm. happening and famines happening um that's everyday stuff yeah and and always has been there's there there was there was 13 minutes in 1831 where no 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 of course yeah i mean yeah 13 minutes would be about it if you could find a spot but (laughs) you know i think what jesus is trying to say here if all this stuff is happening you know that it's the beginning of something wonderful and Mm -hmm. the little the little flip around trick here that jesus is kind of probably giggling in his own head but um i like a good giggling jesus this okay is Go yes. ahead. yeah jesus giggling because what he knows and what his disciples ought to know by now is that the coming of god the coming of christ into the world 
is a constant. And, mm. you know, there's never been a time when God was not present mm. and present with people, in people, for people. Um, we don't always recognize it, but there's never a time when that's not true. And Jesus knew that, and he implied it again and again, you know, that this coming of Christ, which is something that certain Jews were waiting for, you know, they knew right. there would be a Messiah coming. Um, they didn't think this was it, but um, at least not all of them did. But I think what Jesus is trying to say here is just, you know, chill a bit and and don't mm -hmm. don't worry about it don't listen to all these people going "Ooh, i'm jesus coming again and um i'm here to save you and whatever whatever you don't need that because god is already here mm -hmm. and when we talk about god coming into the world it's you know like a waterfall a constant flow you you don't mm -hmm. know where the waterfall began and you don't know when the waterfall will end. It just keeps hmm. going. And, and, I like that imagery. And the uh, other thing with this verse is it it's quoting five different places in the Hebrew scriptures that use the same imagery. Mm -hmm. So it's also Jesus saying, come on, you know this stuff. Right. God's been telling this to the human race for centuries and centuries. Right. So it, you know, it's still one of a whole. It's not... Uh, a new thing at all so, so this is basically jesus the, the disciples come to him like hey uh can you tell us when it, when's this going to be and jesus response is essentially when when hasn't it been yeah <laughs> right no right. when this is this is this has always been the case I and mean, you know what do you expect like things things that is that's not the thing that's going to change which right. actually it, it would have you know, putting myself in the disciples' shoes, kind of a disappointing thing to hear. Right, definitely. Because uh, there's, we, we've talked a lot uh, over the years about their expectations, their incorrect expectations uh, of what mm -hmm. they hoped would happen, uh, uh, looking for a king, expecting, you know, this, expecting that, constantly being wrong. And, and, um, but surely, surely one of the things that, you know, the Messiah would do would be like to, you know, end this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, this, this isn't going to happen anymore though. Right. Cause. Well, and that, that's one reason why this Messiah was killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that he, if, if indeed he had been able to overcome human free will and drive all selfish desires out of the world then the romans would not have killed him mm, right uh, well maybe. But that's that's i don't know the romans really like their death <laughs> um, they were... I, yeah <laughs> i i think um this is just a another slant on the whole thing but you know if if Jesus had been successful in doing all these magical things, like uh -huh. stopping earthquakes, then um, I would think, personally, that he would be seen as an even bigger threat by the Romans, um, which, after all, is who killed him. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, they they didn't even want somebody threatening the kingship. True. And the established line of the kingship. And um, I think it would have been killed either way. He was just Very possible. he was just that that guy, you know, that roams the streets and tells people that they should be hopeful and that they shouldn't worry about things and and that God do loves them and do not fear and yeah, okay, you got these Romans here, but God's more important and they don't want to hear that. Because right. people people aren't good subjects when they start hearing that kind of stuff. And, you know, eventually the Romans did come and start throwing all those rocks down off the buildings. Mm -hmm. And um, and they were, you know, they were a nation rising up against a nation. And it was painful. It had to be horridly painful. And I've always appreciated that, um, you know, they, this t passage ends with the beginning of the birth pangs. And... Mm -hmm. You know, that's such a good image because that's a painful thing, but it leads to something, you know, you know, there's a promise Beautiful. at the end and, um, every time something horrid happens in the world, we know that at the end there will be God and, mm -hmm. um, that's never going to change and we have to learn to put our, our trust and our confidence and our hope there that God's presence will never be taken away. Sometimes it's hard to call that enough and we're not supposed to sit back and be content with it, but you know, we are supposed to hold on to that and that's where we get the impetus to do all the things Jesus asked us to do, like feeding the hungry, giving water to the thirsty, um, clothing the poor and doing our best to stuff. be peacemakers yeah if, if we're if we're being peacemakers in the world if we're doing what Jesus did and what Jesus preached then that's the best the world is going to be mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if we're Christians doing it because Jesus said so or if we're somebody else doing it for other reasons um if the work is getting done, then it's God's work getting done. Hmm. So that's I, what counts. I, I like it. And I think uh, that's a perfect place to end it. Um, uh, yeah. So let's, uh, let's put a wrap, a beautiful bow uh, on uh, this, your podcast for November 14th, 2021, the 25th Sunday after Pentecost in year B. The second to last Sunday of the year, uh, and uh, uh, I want to take a. I, I want to thank Cruz for joining me today. I don't like that name. I I noticed, and that is why I continue to use it. I apologize, oh, okay. um, uh, but uh, uh, as always, it is it is the really Reverend's Cruz's. It's. It's a well, really it's, awful. You know, it's, it's very much um, like the um, the word cross. Yes. Know, there's a um, like it's Crucis, Las Cruces in New Mexico. Yeah, and I was thinking like cruising the boulevard, but 
Well, that's called oh. cards. That's called it, cruise. Yeah, that just yeah, that did not come across, Bruce. Uh, <laughs> I'm in the wrong line. I didn't mean it. <laughs> so as always, that terrible creation was definitely brought on, brought to us by Bruce. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And destroyed uh, by little old destroyer me. <laughs> but um, oh, but as always, we want to uh, encourage you to join us at 8 and 10 in person, 10 o'clock uh, live broadcast on our YouTube channel, HFEC Videos. Uh, and uh, as always, you can, all, you can see all the different things um, coming up, going on uh, at the church um, and, and on our webpage, uh, hfec.org, holyfamilyfishers.org, both of those. Uh, get you to where you're going. Please uh, check it out, see what else is going on. Uh, and until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Bruce. I'm Kathy. And even beyond next week, I will be. <laughs> and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.